Amen. Would you join me by standing and let's get ready to enter into the teaching. I want, I want to share that over the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about this one scripture. This one story of scripture is found in Luke chapter 16, verse 19 to 31. Luke 16, verse 19 to 31, and the next three Sundays, Lord willing, we will be speaking on this story. And I've called this sermon series, Certainties of Life. Certainties of Life. We have six points. We're going to tackle two points every Sunday for the next three Sundays. Our goal here is to teach and preach and encourage. Our goal is that our Sunday would change our... If church is not changing our Monday, then something is wrong in church. If we're just being encouraged and we're just leaving joyful and happy, that's good. But something must be given to us that we could apply to our lives, that we could be doers of God's word and, and apply that on Monday and we see the effect of God's word um, uh, transcendently through our whole family, our spouse, our matrimony, our children, our finances, our home, and it reaches every aspect. And that's why Sunday must change our Monday. And the church says, Amen. certainties of life, that, that'll be our th theme for the next three weeks. Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried in Hades where he was in torment. He took up, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this between us, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from here to us. He answered, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the teaching of today. It has ministered to me, has spoken to my heart, and I know, Lord God, that you have set aside this morning to speak to the hearts of your people, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that we would... Uh, open our ears to hear, our hearts to sense what you want to do within us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Certainties of life. I'm going to share with you six points over the next three weeks. Two points today. Uh, a little bit about this parable. Remember that a, a parable is a short and simple story that teaches a religious or moral lesson. 
A parable was a way that Jesus taught often in the New Testament. It's not an actual historical event that happened, um, but it is a story in which Jesus uses to bring about a religious, a spiritual, or a moral lesson. Many see this uh, parable as a literal view for after death. Uh, and some see it as a figurative view, but some see it as a literal view after death. After death, um, but uh, parables are are uh, intended for teaching. That's the reason why Jesus used parables for teaching, uh, for us to create a whole doctrine or a whole teaching out of this particular parable. We, we would we would have to be cautious. Why? Because there's things in this in this story that are not. Um, are not interpreted in Scripture once and, and over again. For example, nowhere else in Scripture does it say that in the end times, one side will have conversations with the other side, or one side will see the other side, right? Nowhere in, in Scripture does it talk about a, a deep pit between the two sides. Also, it seems to us by the story that we have read that Lazarus, the beggar, he gets the right to Abraham's side just because he was poor. And the rich man, because he was not kind, he ended up in the place of torment. Now we know that that's not why you would end up in the good place in heaven at Abraham's side, not because you're poor, but because of the grace of Christ upon your life that you have received. That's what gives us right to the side of the Father, right? And we also know that just because you uh, maybe have not been kind, that doesn't uh, deem you to a place of torment. So Jesus, he uses this parable, and he's trying to teach us something. He's teaching the audience of that day something, and he's also teaching us today something. And it's interesting because um, the beggar, the beggar Lazarus, he seems to be a Gentile. And he ends up at Abraham's side, and the Pharisee, the Hebrew, the Jew, is the one that ends up in agony. So Jesus is trying to teach the audience of that day something particular with regard to how they are living in the times that they are in. And he's letting them know that he has um, a plan for them, but they must take heed to the teaching of this parable. Now, parables are made to teach us, to lead us, to help us to give us spiritual truth, moral truth, uh, to lead us. So what is Jesus trying to teach us through this parable? What is Jesus teaching us through this parable? I want to share with you two points today that I believe that we can see in this story and over the next couple of weeks, four more points. Two points that I want to share with you this morning. First one is how we treat others matter. And the church says, how we treat others matters. In this parable, we see that the rich man was not kind to the beggar. At the gate, uh, uh, the beggar was laid, Lazarus was laid, he was covered in sores, he was longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. Uh, and, uh, and we see here that there was an indifference between the two people. We don't know a lot about Lazarus. We know that he was poor, that he was hungry, that he was a beggar, that he laid at the rich man's gate, that he was covered in sores, that the dogs even licked up his sores. And we know that no compassion was shown to him. Uh, we see that the rich man sees Lazarus from the other side of the deep pit and, uh, and doesn't even wish to console Lazarus. We see that the rich man sees Lazarus and he doesn't even desire to help him. 
And we see that he sees him and knows that he desires food, but yet has no interest in him. The rich man did not care about the needs of Lazarus. He knew that he was a beggar. He knew that he desired the leftovers. He knew that he was sick, but he showed no interest in him, no interest in Lazarus. In this, in this teaching, Jesus is letting his audience know that although the rich man was Hebrew and Lazarus a beggar, a Gentile, they both landed in different places and the rich man did not treat Lazarus well. There's a teaching here to remind us how we treat others matter. And the church says, as Christians, as people of faith, we're reminded of the goodness that we have received and the grace that we have received. And the grace that we have received allows us to give grace forward. It's a, it's a, it's a, a response of gratitude. In fact, when we look at the scripture, God is interested in everybody. There's a scripture in Colossians chapter 3, starting at verse 18, that I love. And Jesus uh, and the Apostle Paul gives the church direction there, led by the Holy Spirit. And he gives attention to everybody. He gives attention to the husbands, to the wives, to the children, to the parents, to slaves, to masters. I love it. When you read Colossians chapter 3, verse 18, you see that the Holy Spirit was intentional in making sure that everybody mattered, that there was attention for everybody. To the husband, he tells them, hey, love your wife like Christ loved the church. And he tells them, don't be harsh with them. To the wives, he says, hey, uh, submit to your husband. Line yourself up with your husband. Why? Not because you have to, but because he loves you like Jesus loved the church. And he's been kind to you and not harsh to you. So you say, you know what? I'm going to line myself up with my husband because he has loved me like Christ loved the church. And he's been kind to me, not harsh to me. And he will not take me to a place of heartache. So I line myself up with him. God gives uh, direction to everybody, to the husband, to the wife, to the children. He says, hey, submit to your parents. To the parents, he says, hey, uh, don't tempt your children. To the slaves, he says, hey, remember, those are your masters. And to the masters, he says, hey, be kind to your slaves because they're brothers in Christ as well. Gives direction to everybody. Let's us know this, everyone, is important. I, I love that as we look at this and we look at Scripture that God continues to comfort all people. He comforts the married. He comforts the divorced. Maybe you're here today and you're divorced and you feel like, man, I, I've had a change of life and I've had to go through some agony in my life and I had to go through some hardships and I had to reorder my life. It's almost like I had to restart again. And I, I want to let you know that there's, there's a word of comfort from you, from the scriptures, the psalmist in his, in his time of, of suffering also. He said, my comfort in my suffering is this, your promises preserve my life. Maybe you're going through some hardships because of divorce or separation or some type of abuse. I want to let you know that God's promises preserve your life. I love the words of Jeremiah where God speaks to the people. He speaks to you today as well and he tells you, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Maybe you're going through a change of, of life in this time. I want to let you know that God, that you matter to God that you matter to God. For the singles that are here today, the word reminds us, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Everyone matters to God. 
Even when we were lost in our sin, we mattered to God. And the scripture reminds us that God dem demonstrated his own love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Everyone matters to God. Everyone. And you and I, we are his ambassadors. We are his ambassadors. Then everyone needs to matter to us as well. Let me share something with you. How we treat others will have an eternal impact. How we treat others will have an eternal impact. When we look at this parable, we are being reminded that because of a lack of kindness, there was an eternal impact. I believe that the Holy Spirit reminds us of this and the scripture confirms this. Jesus said this, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples by the way you love one another. There's a great story in the scripture that reminds us that everybody matters. And it's the story of the Good Samaritan. And what I love about the story of the Good Samaritan is the first question that the Pharisee asks Jesus. It all starts with this question. Teacher, he asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? How we treat others has an eternal impact. The Pharisee says to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's how the Pharisee answered Jesus. And Jesus says, very good. Very good. You got it. He tells this Pharisee, you got it. Very good. I imagine that the Pharisees looked at each other with a little smirk, like, you know, this teacher here is trying to get us, but we got him, right? And then the Pharisee was trying to outsmart Jesus, and he asks him the question, well, Jesus, who is our neighbor? And Jesus says to him, let me tell you a story. Uh, there was a man who was beaten, robbed, and left for dead. A priest passed him and ignored him. A Levite saw him and ignored him. A Samaritan came and helped him. Now, Samaritans were regarded by the Jews as the worst of the human race. And Jesus says, and the Samaritan came and helped him. And then Jesus asked him a question. Which of these three do you think was neighborly to the man? The Pharisee answers, the one who showed him mercy. He couldn't even say the Samaritan. He said, the one that showed him mercy. And Jesus says, go and do the same. I want to remind you of the original question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? How we treat each other will have an eternal impact. There is an eternal impact with regards to how we treat each other. And I want to say that within the church, I think that this is more important than anything else. How, how could it be that I'm kind to Pastor George and not kind to Gregory? If, if, if George and Gregory are standing next to each other and I am intentionally rude to one, man, woe is me. I don't care how many tongues you speak. I don't care how good you preach. I don't care how good you teach. I don't care how much you pray. I don't, I don't care about none of those things. The Bible says, by the fruit, we will know them. 
And if we cannot be kind to one another, there is an eternal impact. And that's what the scripture shows us. In fact, you know, this resonates with me, and I think about myself, and I say, you know, it's easy for me to be kind to you. You, you have been kind to me. But how about those that we meet in the street that are not so kind to us? How is our response? Um, do we bear good fruit? Now, I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about being abused, and I'm not talking about, you know, we understand we all need to take our place in wisdom and, and stand up for ourselves at the right time. But I am just talking about the opportunity of, of showing kindness in a place where kindness is needed. Showing patience in a place where patience is needed. Being generous in a place where generosity is needed. Showing love in a place where love is needed. That is the job of the church. And we will have an eternal impact by the way we treat others. And the church says, and how we treat others is a reflection of how grateful we are to God for the way that he has treated us. How we treat others is a reflection. When we really understand our salvation, our redemption, that we have been bought out of slavery, out of condemnation, uh, 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 to, to an eternal condemnation, when we understand redemption, it should change our lives and produce a spirit of gratitude. And the grace that has been shown to us is the grace that we should show. The kindness that has been shown to us is the kindness that we should show. In fact, Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiven one another, as God in Christ forgave you. When we understand this kindness that was shown to us, it should completely change us. In fact, it should compel us to be kind to others. I, I believe that this parable shows us that how we treat others will have an eternal impact on our lives. I believe that this is a certainty of life. I believe that the scripture affirms this once and over and over and over. How we treat others matters. The Bible teaches us that, that we need to remember the grace that was shown to us should be the grace that we push forward. Uh, the grace that was shown to us is the grace that we should show to others. So I want to encourage you here today to, to lead well, to live well, and to show kindness and mercy, for that, is, for that has an eternal impact on our lives. And the church says, so I'm talking about certainties of life. Today I want to share with you two that I believe we can see in the story. The first one is how we treat others matters. Number two, there are two roads in life. This parable shows us that there are two roads in life. This story we read shows us there are two places, one of eternal condemnation and the other of eternal salvation. And those, uh, and those two eternal destinations are both found in Scripture. So we, we find heaven in Scripture, we find hell in Scripture, and we find it over and over again. So we are clear that there are two roads in life. This parable shows us that the rich man, the rich man uh, who died, uh, who, who was buried, um, who was taken to Hades where there was a place of torment. The beggar uh, who died, he was taken to Abraham's side by the angels and he was in a place of blessing. Leads us to two different places. A place of blessing by Abraham's side and a place of torment. And we know that scripture reminds us that there is two eternal destinations 
One is separation from God, and one is unity with God. And that is found in Scripture. I wish that I could say that there's only one way to get to the Father, um, and everybody's going to get there. I wish that we could say that, that to get to the Father, we're, we're all going to get there. But the Bible reminds us that there are two roads in this life, and they lead to two different places, one of condemnation and one of eternal blessing. The Bible reminds us in different ways. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, it says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, uh, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many, for the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Two roads. One to eternal condemnation and one to eternal blessing. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 25. He said, when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all nations. And He will separate people one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goat. And He will place the sheep on His right side and the goat on His left. Two roads. Wide road, narrow road. Sheep and goat. The Bible says, Two will be in the field. One will be taken. The other one will be left. Two women will be grinding in the hand mill. One will be taken and the other will be left. The Bible affirms a certainty of life that there's two roads. I wish I could say that there was just one road and everybody's going to get there. But the Bible affirms. And this parable that we're reading today teaches us a certainty of life that there's two roads. The Bible is clear one road leads to condemnation, separation from God, and eternal destruction. This road is only for those that have rejected the saving grace of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Revelation 20, And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. At the end times, there will be a, a, a second resurrection, and anyone's name who's not found in the book of life, will be thrown into the lake of fire. Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, this will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus. They will be punished with an everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. There are two roads. One that leads to eternal destruction. One that leads to eternal condemnation. Jesus said, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God remains on him. There are two roads. It's a, it's a certainty of Scripture. I wish that I could just say, hey, it's going to be okay. We're all going to make it. It's going to be fine. But the Scripture reminds us absolutely that there are two roads. One leads to eternal condemnation, but the other leads to eternal life with Christ. The Bible says, and there is salvation, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There is salvation in Christ Jesus. In Revelation it says this, talking about the good road, the road that leads us to eternity with Christ. Revelation 21, 
is then, it says at the end time, how the Lord will lead us into an eternal blessing. He said, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. And he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither, there, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain. Uh, for anyone, for those former things have passed away. There are two roads. One that leads to eternal destruction, and the other one leads to eternal salvation in Christ Jesus. This road is a road for the redeemed, right? Those that are by him, no one um, can earn this road. It's Strictly by grace. It's not about the money that we give. It's not about the gifting that we have. It's simply coming to know Jesus. Takes us into a road of eternal life with Christ. Uh, people who have found forgiveness. Beggars that have found the bread of life. There we find salvation in Christ. There are two roads. When we look at this story, we can easily identify that there's two roads. One that leads to condemnation and one that leads to eternal blessing. And the church says, there are two roads in, 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 which, in which one do you find yourself today? In which one do you find yourself today? One road leads to eternal condemnation, the other one leads to eternal life with Christ. This is certainty of life. This is a certainty of life. There are two roads. Somebody may say, I'm in church. I'm doing good. I'm, I'm preaching and I'm teaching and, and I'm serving and I'm singing and I'm helping. But I would ask the question, is that the measure that we should use to feel that we are on the right road? Is that the measure that we should use? Uh, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. You know, there is a scary verse in Scripture it's, on the, it's, it's, it's part of the Sermon on the Mount. It's found in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. And Jesus said this, words of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, and this is hard. I never knew you Away from me, you evil doers. I said, oh, Lord, uh, you know, I don't want to be the one that says, remember, God, I was the pastor of Halloween Church. I preached. I don't want to be that guy. So then I start thinking, well, what is the barometer that I can use in my life that helps me say I'm on the right road? What is the barometer that I can use? What is the scale I could, what are the points I can lay out with you today that says, well, this shows that I'm, I'm on the right road. I'm on the right road. So I want to read to you what the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 9. It's a barometer for me. It's one that I use in, in my life that helps me say I'm on the right road. I'm going to read it slow because I think it's a good. I love that here the Apostle Paul doesn't, doesn't talk about ministry at all. Look what he says. Love must be sincere, verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. 
Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fever serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low positions. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Would you highlight these verses in your Bible, in your apps? Maybe you need to print them out and put them on your refrigerator. And would you begin to just study every point and ask yourself, is that me? Is that me? I love that the Apostle Paul didn't talk about evangelism here or missions or prayer or preaching or teaching or giving or tithes. But he talked about how we should live more than how we should serve. If you want to know, am I on the right road? It has nothing to do with our gifting or our ministries or anything like that. Because at the end time, some God will look at us who say, but I pastored, I never knew you. It has everything to do with the way that we live, and it keeps us on the right road. And the church says, so we're talking about two certainties of life today. As I close our teaching this morning, certainties of life. Our goal always is that our Sunday would change our Monday. Today, how you treat others, I want to remind you, has an eternal impact. It matters. It matters. It matters that we're kind. Jesus said the world won't recognize you as my disciples if you don't love one another. Who is God intentionally putting in your life so that you would be patient and kind and generous, show hospitality, why? Because how we treat others has an eternal impact. Another certainty of life, we're reminded today that there are two roads. One that leads to eternal condemnation and one that leads to eternal salvation with Christ. What road are we on today? I want to encourage you to be intentional in putting a list of things, a barometer in your life. Use these verses that say, okay, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and I'm reflecting my faith by the way that I live. And the church says, can I invite you to stand as we get ready to close? I hope that our Sunday would change our Monday. I know that this wasn't the teaching that says, get up on your feet and shout, but it's the teaching that if we apply to our lives, it would begin to touch our families, our homes, our children, our neighbors. 
Um, it will reflect the image of Jesus. The shalom of God will begin to rest upon our lives, upon our hearts. Could it be that we're, we're struggling on our journey because we're not bearing the right fruit? Could it be that we're battling in this faith that we have because we're not making the right decisions? But the Lord is telling us today, certainties of life, how we live here will have an eternal impact. Perhaps you're here today and the Lord is ministering to you in a special way and you would like prayer. As we sing this next song, the altar is open. We'd love to pray with you this morning. And it, it could be a prayer that says, Lord, I just want to make sure that I'm on the right road, that I stay on the right road. It could be a prayer that says, Lord, I, I'm, I'm struggling with loving certain people. I'm struggling with being kind to certain people. And, and I know that you're calling me to forgive. You're calling me to be kind. You're calling me to temper my character. You're, you're calling me, Lord God, to treat others kindly. And, and I'm, I'm going to put my character at your feet, O oh Lord, that your Holy Spirit would fill me and help me to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Maybe you're here today and the Lord is speaking to you in a special way as we sing this next song, the altar is open. Maybe you're a guest here today, you're visiting us here and you know that you are on the wrong road and you know that the road that you're on right now is only a road of eternal condemnation. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. No one has the right to judge you because we're all beggars that have found bread. Maybe you're here today and you feel like, I, I got to get on the right road. Today is a day of a new covenant, a new prayer, a new commitment, a reconciliation, and asking Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. I promise you, with Christ, your future days are better. The altar is open if anyone would like prayer. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon. We pray it blesses and encourages your life.